Welcome to Lose Yourself with Dr. Mike Cunningham, Bible teacher and church planter in Vineyard, Utah. When we lose ourselves in worldly distractions, we lose our value, purpose, and our passion in exchange for temporal experiences. But Jesus says that whoever would lose their life for his sake will find it. Let's learn what it means to lose yourself with Dr. Mike. Welcome back to Lose Yourself. We now rejoin our conversation with apologist and professor, Dr. Bill Roach. Part of my story from an apologetic standpoint is I was a youth pastor for 25 years. I started in analog. So think about this. I began my youth ministry without the internet, without cell phones, without social media. And I bridged it that lasted until almost 2018. And in that time, the whole world changed. And I remember having to lean in because I had the choice of either being on my heels because again, I had, I had kids bringing in cell phones with really hard questions on it that I didn't know the answer to, yeah. that I had certain news would break. There was round the clock criticism of the church. It was a difficult time. And what was great from my testimony, from my standpoint, is the more I leaned in, the more I sought scripture, the more I equipped myself, the more confident I became. And my, my faith became that much more real to me and much more confident because, you know, God is faithful and his word is true. And I think that there's a tendency, like you were talking about with the Twitter sphere of being discerning about what to engage in, what not to, what's profitable and what's, what's just someone building a platform by trolling you. And that's not just online, that's in person because we've just got to create a more civil narrative to be able to provide the gospel's information to people in a way that gets away from the noise and the confrontation that we're experiencing right now in our culture. Yeah, I think the church is going to have to model that because the world's not going to give it to us. We're just seeing the absolute breakdown of society in that regard. But, you know, there was a time where in order to learn secularism, you had to go to the university. And we realized that secularism has existed for centuries and in the modern sense of the term, but it wasn't always equally distributed. But now with the advent of the internet and Twitter, you know, you can get a message around the world in a matter of seconds. So we realize that now, in many respects, secularism is pretty evenly distributed because now it's in our kids' bedrooms right. and it's on our couches and it's in our living rooms. And I think the other issue is, is that there are so many pastors out there who are afraid to engage issues. And I know some people in particular, as it's come to the last year, you know, we don't want to address the issue of critical race theory in our churches because that's just political. Well, it's not just political. It's deeply theological also because it's giving us a whole new understanding of what it means to be human and what it means to flourish in society and how we live as Christians in society. In addition, how do we rightly apply the Bible in our jobs and in our lives? One of the tasks of being apologetically minded in our age is, again, a reminder of we can't write things off as merely political when they're deeply theological in the lives of our people. And 
Two, we don't get to pick our battles. Believe me, I'd love to fight for the deity of Christ. I think it'd be a lot more fun, a lot more entertaining to me. I get to dive into the text of scripture. That's the world in which we live. It's a totally different world. We've gone to the digital hyper crazy era in which we live. One of the things I have to tell people, I run in diverse circles, is that there are multi-billion dollar lobbies who want to make sure we don't get along, who make more money by making sure that we fight with each other and that the foot of the cross is level. And the more that we focus on the gospel, the more that we seek Christ, that's what's going to bring us together. I do believe that the healing of our nation will be a supernatural event because it's going to take that. There's just a lot there, but at the same time, uh, endorsing philosophies that are flawed is not going to help that process. We're not going to fix what has been years and years of, of issues and sin with a philosophy. It's going to take a real encounter with the gospel to allow us to have supernatural grace, supernatural forgiveness, supernatural humility. God is going to have to heal our land. And for him to do that, we're going to have to turn to him. Yeah, the the issue is, is that we need a new heart and we need the law of God written on our heart. And that's what being born again does. And I think that's where it's going to come is the reality is, is that we are not saved by what is proclaimed in the White House or the State House, but in the church house. And Jesus Christ is that message. And that's not just a, a vain pietism. It's, again, that's the plan of salvation laid out in the text of Scripture. Why do the nations rage? Why do they plot in vain? Who are they seeking from Psalm 2? This messianic figure that changes the hearts of the people and brings them to salvation. And I think it might be a means where God's saying, you need to be thoroughly Christian in your approach. You don't just need new laws. You need a new heart with the law of God written on your hearts. And that's the way that we're going to find reconciliation in our culture today. Mm. How have churches strayed from the Bible in terms of, I mean, I think that there's a lot of things that are in the news right now that it's obvious that needs to be addressed biblically, but what are some mistakes that your just average everyday church makes in terms of neglecting the Bible or misinterpreting the Bible? Well, first of all, we could just sort of build a variety of things. I think within the church, there's this idea that, yes, we, we are people of the book. We, we love the Bible. But have you ever noticed how little time we actually spend in the Bible? It's so true. <laughs> you know, have you ever gone in and it's like, hey, we have Bible study tonight. Okay, what are you studying? Oh, that's, that's a nice book. That's great. It's not the Bible, but... Uh, you can call it Bible study, but unless you're actually studying the Bible, it's not a Bible study. So I think in, in one sense, there's a drought of the Word of God within our churches because we're just caught up with all these how-to books. Everybody wants to. 
And even think about this, even within apologetic circles, we do this. We have the latest book that comes out from the key apologist. It's going to save the world. And if you read it, it's going to change your whole ministry. Well, maybe, but how many times do apologists just sit around and go through the gospel of John with one another and look at the things that are there? So our issue is that we just do not know the Bible very well within churches. And I think the second issue is, is that we have a very truncated view of the Bible in a lot of churches because we're only worried about it being a historical document. Mm. When the reality is, is the Bible is nothing less than historical, but it's much more than just something that's historical. It carries divine authority with it. There are many good history books that are out there, but the Bible and the Bible alone is the sole infallible rule of faith and practice with divine authority for it. So what happens is, is that the Bible then ends up playing some kind of role, but we don't allow it to actually bind the consciences of people. There is this aspect of the Bible said it, period because that's where God has chosen to reveal himself. And the first thing that the Bible teaches is not just its historicity, but its authority. These aren't just words, they're divine words. And functionally, what this ends up meaning is is that there's been a dilution or we've diminished the sufficiency of Scripture with the church itself. Is the Bible able to address all matters related to faith and practice? And some people get caught off on this, and they go, well, the Bible doesn't address everything. But I would respond and say a a rightful understanding of this idea of sola scriptura and the sufficiency of Scripture is that we have all the divine words necessary for faith and practice. Now, let's think about this. First of all, they're divine words, so it's not just human words. It's not just some guy pontificating his ideas for both what we should believe and how we should live it out for faith and practice. And if it's not contained there, either one, you don't need it, or two, as we look at this, it's beyond the scope of what God has declared to be the articles of the Christian faith, and how you should live it out. So when somebody comes up and says, well, the Bible doesn't teach me how to change the tire of my car. Good. Those aren't obviously things that God believes he needs to give you divine words on for your faith and practice. When you're sitting on the side of the road, cussing out the guy for not showing up on time to help you change your tire, I think the Bible addresses that because that's part of the practice aspect of the divine words that you need. So I think what it is, is people just don't think that the Bible's actually able and adequate to address all things for faith and practice. It's not sufficient. We want, in one era, people wanted Jesus plus their works, Jesus plus more. Today, we want Scripture plus something more. We're always thinking that unless we have these two aspects, that we can't 
heal the person or address the topic, when the reality is, is that, no, the Bible is that. Why? Because the God who knows all things, the God who knows exactly how much he needs to reveal to communicate that for faith and practice, has given us all that we need for it. And if God in his wisdom thought we needed one more word, he would have given it to us. Now, does that mean that we shouldn't study other things or be conversant in other things? No. But we got to realize that if somebody's going to ask me, how am I freed from sin? I need faith in Jesus Christ and that alone. And anything else beyond that is beyond the scope of what salvation means. Or, you know, in, in different contexts, that can be so much more. The Bible is a sufficient revelation in that we don't need an extra book, an extra book of the Bible, a new canon of Scripture to tell us what the other books of the Bible mean. So historically, we've seen this come about with the cults. You were talking about how the Bible doesn't get used in church, which is a kind of a sad statement. Is that because we don't feel like it's sufficient enough? It seems like a lot of our churches get distracted with numbers or with programs or with just the being able to grow numerically or have a higher profile. And we want to just focus on these particular books of the Bible, but maybe not talk about those other books. Uh, do you find that that is sometimes the case? Oh, I think that's the case. You know, we live in probably the most pragmatic age of the church. If I'm not getting big numbers, well, then God's not blessing. If I'm not having the, the wowed crowd, then God's not blessing. We're out of time, but we'll pick up this conversation on our next episode. This has been Lose Yourself. For more information about Mike and his ministry, check out his blog at loseyourself.life. Until next time, make it your ambition to lose yourself to Christ. Lose Yourself is a ministry of Grace Church and Mike Cunningham and a production of Key Radio.